0: This is a Squeeze podcast, where your shortcut to being informed. During an Aussie summer,
1: it is near on impossible to ignore cricket news, and this year will be a big in. That's because the Ashes are on Aussie soil. It's one of our biggest sporting rivalries, Australia versus England. And the first test, well, it started yesterday. So this week, we're handing the squeeze shortcut reins to the team from Sport Today to step you through the history of the Ashes. A heads up, it's a love story. As well as why the Ashes is so lucrative, they'll also give you some talking points on the teams and the names to look out for. Squeeze Shortcuts is the backstory to the big news stories.
0: Hello, I'm Sam Ferris. And I'm Martin Gabor. Gabs, I never thought we'd be back on Squeeze Shortcuts, but here we are. Uh, they say Shane Warne used to write his own scripts. I reckon this comeback is worthy of one of Warnie's.
1: Well, we wrote this one, so if it's no good, uh, Warnie, I think (laughs) someone's going to be in touch shortly. Uh, Speaking of Warnie,
0: does he still follow you on Twitter? No, and I don't really want to talk about it either, Gabs. But I do want to talk about the Ashes. Now, this rivalry goes right back to the early days of Test cricket. Yeah, the Ashes was born at the Oval in London way back, Fez, in 1882. August 28 and 29, 1882 to be exact. Uh, Now, the story of the Ashes is a two-parter, the match and the aftermath. Uh, The match is all about one player, an Aussie fast bowler by the name of Fred the Demon Spoffeth. And Gabs, it was a bit of bad sportsmanship that fired up the Demon and his match-winning spell of bowling. You don't want to fire up a
1: demon, Fez. So in Australia's (laughs) second innings, Aussie youngster Sammy Jones, he was run out by cricket's first mega superstar, WG Grace. You might have seen pics of him with a big belly and a long beard and no, it's not Santa Claus. (laughs) Only thing was, Jones wasn't actually attempting a run. He was just tapping his bat on the pitch, but Grace appealed and Jones was given out by the umpire. Fair to say, that really irked the demon. <laughs> yeah, that is fair to say, Fez. Reports say that Spothless was furious and he said to his teammates, I swear to you, England will not win this. Then, just before it was England's turn to bat, needing only 85 runs to win, Spofforth roared, this thing can be done. <laughs> Fez, if there's one takeaway from this shortcut, it's this. Never doubt the demon. Spofforth, he took seven wickets and England were bowled out for 77. In Australia, they won by
0: just seven runs. And the devil's number is 666, but it was all (laughs) sevens for the demon that day. Uh, Now, the English press didn't take the loss to the Aussies too well. I mean, after all, we weren't even a country at that point. No, he weren't. That was still, what, 18 and a bit
1: years away? So it was kind of like little brother beating big brother in a game of backyard cricket. Newspaper the Sporting Times, they printed a mock obituary after the match. It said, In affectionate remembrance of English cricket, which died at the Oval, 29 August 1882, deeply lamented by a large circle of sorrowing friends and acquaintances, RIP, the body will be cremated and the ashes taken to Australia.
0: Now, the ashes weren't actually taken to Australia. That's probably because there was nothing cremated, but Gabs, (laughs) the famous tiny urn and the ashes inside it actually originated in Victoria a little while later.
1: Yep, that's right. So England, they set sail less than two weeks later for Australia under the captaincy of a guy named Ivo Bly who promised to return with the ashes. After a social match on Christmas Eve, a lady by the name of Florence Morphy took one of her perfume urns, filled it with the ashes of some burnt bales and then gave it to Bly. He went back to England with the ashes as promised, but he then returned to Australia a year later. Why? Well, to marry Morphy.
0: Gabs, The Ashes is a love story after all that. (laughs) uh, We don't really know what's in the urn. Some say it's bales, others say it's a stump and a bale. We're not really sure. It's really old now and it doesn't leave its home at Lord's in London. So since then, Australia and England have taken it in turns to host a series every two or so years. So there's been plenty of classic Ashes battles. So that's how The Ashes came to be. Now we're going to talk about what it has become. Let's now talk about the economics of the Ashes. Gabs, we both love a stat or two. Uh, With 140 years of history and rivalry behind it, the Ashes is a serious money spinner for all involved.
1: It absolutely is. And let's start at home with Cricket Australia. So, this summer, they're looking at making about $200 bucks from the Ashes. Now, about half of that is going to come from TV broadcasters Fox Sports and Channel 7, and then the rest is made up from things like sponsorship, uh, advertising, uh, overseas broadcast revenue, and, of course, the
0: ticket sales. Yeah, so that's a lot. Uh, the Ashes is the second biggest revenue driver for Australia behind an Indian tour, which is worth about $300 million, and that's because of massive TV deals in India. Now, those tours are extremely important to CA, and it's why they're willing to move heaven and earth to make sure they happen, hey?
1: Yeah, and that's because of the way Cricket Australia's revenue cycle works. So basically, every home summer that isn't against India or England runs at a loss. But because those tours are so big, they make up for it and return a profit over the four-year cycle. Now, making it more challenging has, of course, been COVID-19 and all the biosecure
0: bubbles, which has cost CA tens of millions of dollars over the past couple of years. Yeah, like most sporting bodies, CA has been hit pretty hard by COVID costs. Uh, CA also might have to make a pretty big call where the fifth Ashes test is going to be held this summer. Yeah, just this
1: week, CA decided to move the fifth test from Perth, and that's because of the WA government's hard border stance with New South Wales. Now, we don't know where the fifth test is going to be, but Bell Reeve Oval in Hobart and the MCG are reportedly the
0: two frontrunners at this stage. Yeah, keep an ear out for that. Uh, So while CA and England make a nice return when they host the Ashes, so do the local economies, particularly Australia Gabs.
1: Yeah, the last Ashes tour in Australia back in 2017-18 had about 30,000 UK residents come to visit, with a majority of them forming part of England's travelling fan base, the Barmy Army. Four years ago, the Ashes pulled in around $400 million bucks for the domestic economy, but that number probably isn't going to be matched this summer, and that's because of COVID, of course, and border
0: restrictions. So that's the governing bodies and the local economies. Uh, but the players, gaps, they do pretty well out of it too. Yeah, can't forget about the players' fairs, And they do really well, especially
1: if they win. The players, they get a bonus if they win the series. And it's worth double against the top four ranked teams. And right now, England is ranked number four.
0: Yep, they've just crept in there. Australia is third behind New Zealand in the first and India in second place. Uh, There's also a series win pool of money for Australia's men's cricketers and that's got a bit in it too.
1: Yeah, it's an Olympic sized pool, Fez. There's a cool $2.5 million, but it's for the entire summer against all teams and in all formats. After the Ashes, there is 120 over and 350 over matches against New Zealand, and then Australia will play 5 T20s against Sri Lanka. So there
0: is a bit of cricket to get through if the Aussies want to split the entire pool. Just another incentive for them to get the win, Gabs. Uh, so that's the off the field stuff. Now let's look at some famous Ashes names and who to watch out for in this series. If we're talking about Ashes cricket, we've got to mention Sir Donald Bradman. Uh, He averaged 99.94 in test cricket and absolutely dominated England, except for the Bodyline Series in 1932-33, where England's fast bowls literally aimed for his head. He needed just four runs in his last innings to average 100 in test cricket. Bit of free trivia for you. The bowler who got Bradman out for a duck in that last innings was Eric Hollies. Jeez,
1: you're generous, Fez, because that question really <laughs> is the definition of pub trivia. Now, you just mentioned Bradman. Well, we've got to mention Shane Warne now. He bowled what's called the Ball of the Century back in 1993, and this was a wicked delivery that bowled England's Mike Gadding with Warne's first ball in a test in England. Fair to say it's been watched on YouTube quite a few times <laughs> by a lot of Aussies. Warne, he's got the most Ashes wickets with 195, and he played in just one losing series, that being in 2005 in England.
0: Yep, many consider that to be one of the greatest test series of all time. And Gabs, I reckon I've contributed about 100,000 to those YouTube views. <laughs> there are so many legends in Ashes cricket, too many to list here. So let's have a look at who will be playing this summer. Gabs Australia has a new captain and a new wicketkeeper. keeper.
1: Yeah, they certainly do, Fez, and it comes back to a couple of weeks ago when Tim Payne was going to lead the Aussies, but a sexting scandal has meant he stepped away from cricket to focus on his mental health. In his place as skipper will be Pat Cummins, and he's the first fast bowler to captain Australia since Ray Linwell did it back in 1956. Fast bowlers, they are injury prone, so they don't often get the captaincy, especially in test cricket. Replacing Payne as wicketkeeper is going to be South Australian Alex Carey and he's going to make his test debut at the Gabba.
0: Yeah, a bit of a fun fact about Carey. He was contracted to AFL side, the GWS Giants, but he was cut so he turned his attention to cricket. Fair to say it's paid off, cabs. Uh, What about England? Who should we watch out for there?
1: Thank you, Kevin Sheedy. We'll take Alex (laughs) Carey off your hands gladly. Uh, The one player that everyone should take notice of when he's bowling or batting is Ben Stokes. He's regarded as one of the best players in the world at the moment and he starred for England back in the 2019 Ashes with one of the best centuries ever in the third test at Leeds. He's also a bit of a bad boy. He's been suspended for various incidents in the past. He was born in New Zealand, so he's almost an Aussie.
0: We'd probably claim him if we could. Uh, So the Ashes starts in Brisbane, then heads to Adelaide for a day-night test, Sydney in the new year, and then somewhere for the fifth test in the middle of January. So Gabs, who's going to win? Well, I'll probably lose my citizenship if I
1: answer England, so I'm not (laughs) going to give my opinion, but I will leave you with this. England has won just one Ashes series in Australia since 1987, and in the past 20 years, they've won just four of 25 tests in Australia. Uh, Let's
0: go with Australia then. Uh, It's (laughs) worth pointing out that we're in La Nina at the moment, so rain could play a big role this summer. And if there's rain, there's no play. Uh, So that's the Ashes. And you know what the best thing is? After the men's Ashes, the women's Ashes starts in late January and the Aussies are favourites to win that one as well.
1: Yeah, they certainly are, Fez. And it's a bit different to the way that the men's Ashes work. So the women's Ashes is played over seven matches and three formats with a point system, a bit like their series against India earlier this year. The series starts with a test match in Canberra. That's worth six points for a win or two points each if it's a draw. Then there are three 20-over and three 50-over matches, which are both worth two points for the win. The team with the most points at the end of the series wins. But
0: if it's a tie, then Australia will retain the women's ashes. Don't worry, the Sport Today podcast will keep you right across the women's ashes early next year. All right, time for our recommendations. <music> I'll go first, Gabs. Uh, If you haven't checked out the doco on the Australian men's cricket team called The Test, it's on Amazon Prime and it's definitely worth a watch. It follows the team from when coach Justin Langer was hired after the sandpaper scandal right up to the end of the last Ashes series in 2019. Lots of great insight and if you look really, really hard, you can even see me in it.
1: Oh, I think my favourite part of the whole show was you feasting on the catering at Edgebaston. <laughs> uh, but for me, Fez, it's a book called The Captains written by Malcolm Knox. Now, it's great for trivia, plenty of very important information that could come in handy, and it really looks at how leadership has evolved in cricket over the past century. This was written a few years ago, Fez, so it doesn't include all test captains. I think it finishes at Ricky Ponting. Sure, there'll be a new chapter written about
0: Pat Cummins in the years to come. Sounds like a pretty good Christmas gift to me, Cabs. Uh, I've put links in the episode notes to both of those recommendations. That's your shortcut to the Ashes. Uh, if you want to stay across all the Ashes news and all the other big sports news as well, check out the Sport Today podcast. Warney loves it. Well, we assume he does. He's also blocked my number as well. You and many others, Sam. It's a long list. Catch you
1: next time.